Hello and welcome to a special 42 podcast. Today we're going to be looking ahead to the reign to come of Desi Farrell. And to speak about that, we brought someone from Cork and we brought someone from Mead. So hello to Gordon Manning from the Irish Sun and our own Fintan O'Toole. Hey lads. How are you going on? It's a, it's a pretty horrible day out there in Dublin City. The rain is really coming down and the skies are black. But looking ahead to next summer, it's going to be very different. And the Dublin team is going to be under Desi Farrell. So suppose, Gordon, just starting with yourself, is this the best is this the worst job in Gaelic football? The weather might be um, a sign of the ominous sign for the likes of guys from Mead and Cork of us to come maybe and this reign of Dublin terror uh, might continue under uh, under Desi. You know, you'd find find it very hard to argue that Desi hasn't earned his his go at this. You know, he's a long time. Uh, he's been involved with Dublin team since kind of developing squads under thirteen. He's won his minors, his under twenty ones, and it's his time. Fintan, I suppose I'll throw it across to you. Like you, you can say best and worst job. Best job, obviously, because you know you're taking over a team that nearly picks itself. Worst job, though, because they've just won five in a row. And if they don't win one in a row, I suppose under Desi, it's a disaster. So, like, what, what what do you think looking at it from the outside? Best best worst job in Gaelic football? I think the more immediate thing is kind of the timing of it. I mean, I'd say a month ago, we probably didn't really think that this was going to be happening. You were going to be having a discussion about a new Dublin manager. Um, I mean, I think it was Galway and Clare were the last two kind of counties to fill jobs this year hurling. And everyone's consensus was this has dragged on along. So, lots of, obviously you know, Jim's departure was pretty surprising, but a kind of probably a reflection of how Dublin go about their business that they got the got him in so quickly. So I don't think it's any surprise him coming in. Um, you know, like Gordon said, I think he's he's very well equipped for it. It's his time and all that. But it's just gonna be look, he'd probably get a bit of a grace period and all that like, but he doesn't have much of a kind of a lead in time, save for the league, the fact that their opening game is against Kerry in, in, in six weeks' time. So like I think Jim was appointed when he started, I think it was kind of in early October uh, in twenty twelve and you know he kind of had a good bit of time to get get up and running and all that. Um look there's there's going to be pressure but I, I kind of have this feeling that like the five in a row was a big mythical thing in the GA so all the pressure was on that I don't know is like the six in a row roll off the tongue in the same way so mm. I don't know is, oh. is he going to be under that kind of enormous uh, level of pressure and I mean he, he's so much going for him given his level of success and also how familiar he is with this group of players because you know sometimes managers come in and they have a lot of underage success and all that but it doesn't necessarily mean you know you got to kind of prove yourself to these senior players but the vast majority he's worked with so many of them from that 2011 minor team right up to the couple of under 21 teams I suppose the last big one was kind of Conor Callaghan and Owen Merchant and Brian Howard's one in 2017 so I mean he, he ticks, a, ticks a lot of boxes and it, it was a pretty obvious choice really wasn't it where once Jim departed yeah, totally. Uh, but I think just to pull you up on a point, I think buzzing for a half dozen does ro- roll off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the, the one that they're going to have to push. It's maybe a motivational thing. It's like, you know, what what do you what are you going to push these guys next to do? Like, because the five in a row was the big thing from like Kilkenny in twenty ten and Kerry in eighty two, and probably a company in Dublin over the last couple of years. Like, you know, where and if Jim Gavin had stayed on, you know, I suppose this is maybe separate to Desi. This would have been the thing anyway. I think you know what is the kind of next, I suppose, goal for this Dublin team. Um, and, and in that regard, maybe maybe uh, it's. A in a natural end and a good time for a new voice to come in there and to regenerate it again um you know as regards there'll be no pressure in so far as maybe you know six seven in a row i do think you know it hasn't really been mentioned that if you go into any workplace or any environment job in a high performance uh, dressing room or uh, office or whatever it is you have to perform you have to deliver so like desi when he walks into that dressing room although he has worked with a lot of these players underage there are guys he hasn't worked with there that he has to he has to get if they sense any weakness so it's he has to perform in those couple of first couple of weeks and months for him to go in there into that dressing 
dressing room. He will have a bit of leeway, you know, insofar as it's been a late appointment, but he still will have to deliver. I mean... But he won't have to introduce himself. Like, he, if you look back at it, he was at one stage, and this is how long Stephen Cluxton's been around, he was at one stage Stephen Cluxton's Dublin captain. And everyone in the dressing room will know who he is because of his, the playing career he's had and the managerial career he's had and the way he's worked himself up. So that will buy him a lot of credit, won't it? Well, I mean, if we go back to uh, the 95-96, uh, when the new management team changed around there and uh, from um, Neil Collins' book, The Chaos Years, if you read yeah. the players then, they didn't buy into the new management team. You know, they, they didn't. They looked at it and they were like, they just didn't get the same, didn't give the same response they admitted in latter years that it just, they, just, they kind of took the foot off the pedal a little bit and they just kind of eased through it and that ended up as a disaster. This bunch of players have had so much success, they need, again, to be motivated and to be kept on track. So if they sense a new management team coming in and they sense they're just not delivering to the same level as a uh, management setup that Jim Gavin had for seven years and Pat Kilroy before that. You know, there's no guarantee that, you know, things will taper a little bit. I think one thing which says he will have a license to is a license to experiment. I think this is what he will do. I think he will introduce a couple of new players to the setup and uh, because you know, he has no sense of loyalty to the players who won five in a row for him. He's coming in fresh. So I think we will see Dublin bring in a couple of new faces or faces that have been on the periphery of the panel in the last couple of years. And one thing I think is actually going to help him in that, he's coming in at a time when it's the first time the All-Ireland Club Championships are changing. Mm. So mm. Bally Woods and Enders are the team that he's looking at. And there would have been a lot of, I suppose, talk, Colin Baskell in particular over the last couple of years. You know, his brother Ryan now, mm. probably a couple of those maybe Bally Wooden defenders, but he'll get a chance to look at them now because no matter what, their campaign will be over by the 19th of January. We won't get a free pass of the league but I think he will get that kind of opportunity as Gordon said to kind of experiment I mean already had two retirements I suppose three if you count Paul Flynn mm. two in the off season with Paul Flynn in May so kind of three big players gone in 2019 so that shift is probably changing or is, has already kind of happened over the last couple of years anyway hasn't it but you're kind of talking Bodie is the vibe I'm kind of getting is that uh, you don't think he's under enormous pressure to win the All-Ireland this year when he really is though I don't think so as much this year I think maybe next year like I'll put you this within the next three years he'd probably want to have won maybe a couple or something like that but I think he might you know say if they didn't win his first game his first competitive game like this County O'Byrne Cup his first competitive game is against Kerry mm. under lights in Crow Park mm. so I suppose he has to win that uh, if Kerry win that then it just gives you guys in the newspaper uh, just fodder to, to chip away and chip away. So he, he has to win that and he has to set the tone for the season there. Would I be right? I, I don't think he has to win that. I mean, I think he'd want to win it. Um, I mean, like, look, Dublin lost the first game last year to Monaghan League and, you know, the light league last year didn't work out. I know you're talking about a new management team coming in and he doesn't want to get off to a losing start, obviously. But I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a must-win game. It's a game I think he'd like to win. I think the most interesting part of that match will be the, the team he lines out with and maybe it'll just show what his intentions are for the season ahead. I mean, look, I was looking through the, the the players I've played with him over the years and there's four players that stick out for me that the appointment of Desi Farrell has to be if I was one of them I'd be going yeah this is a big appointment for me you look at Conor McHugh Conor McHugh like was, was a rising star in Dublin football um, he was 2014 under, under 21 footballer of the year scored 1-6 in that final against Roscommon under 21 under Desi and hasn't kicked on at senior level he's an Afina club man Desi had him this year with uh, with, with Nafina and kind of got the best out of him he, he didn't play this year in the championship he's kind of mid-20s now he needs to deliver so Desi coming in will Desi give him a chance maybe more 
more more of an opportunity than he got on the gym. I'd say he probably will. He'll try him out mm-hmm. in the league, see how he goes. Cormac Costello as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cormac Costello, you know, he made his, his debut as a sub in 2013. His first Leinster Championship start was against Loud this year. That was his first Leinster Championship start. So, like, he hasn't really delivered. This year, again, he had a good year early on, then tapered away as the season went on. Uh, Colin Basquell, as Finton mentioned, I think he's shooting lights out with Bally Bowden. He played with Desi as well um, uh, under, under 21 level. I think he, he'll have an opportunity. And one player as well who's not involved at the moment, Shane Carty from Port um, Marnock. I mean, he, he's spoken very eloquently and uh, bravely about his battle with depression and stuff in, in recent times. Uh, and I just came across a quote. He, he actually gave an interview in April this year uh, in the Irish Sun. And he said, um, he talked to Desi about his depression in 2014. And he said, I just said a small word to my mam, a small word to Desi. And that's been the foundation of where I've essentially rebuilt my life. So Desi has been a rock for him. Um, off the field uh, during his development as a footballer and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Shane Carty maybe uh, come back into that panel in some way later. So there are four players who could really, really benefit from Desi's arrival. I think Finton Gordon opens up a good uh, good little window there into Desi. The fact that Desi has, has had come up through the ranks the same way Jim did, uh, but he came up through the ranks with youth footballers and I suppose with youth fo- footballers you have to put your arm around them a bit more. Does Desi keep that arm around the shoulder style when he becomes the senior manager or he is the senior manager or does he have to shape up and become a, a little bit more uh, clinical? I, I think you have to you, you have to change a bit when you move kind of from the underage to the senior ranks. I mean, like Jim managed Dublin to the 2010, I think it was all in the Trium title and then he was senior manager say for the start of the season three years later. So he kind of had one maybe one group of players really that he had to deal with. Daisy probably had, a, you know, I suppose the 2011 team, you think Kieran Kilkenny would have been on that team. Uh, then Brian Fenton had come into the phase by 2014 under 21, Paul Mannion was there. And then he kind of took another group with uh, Conor Collin on Merchant. So I think what he's shown that he can do, like, that 2011 team, the title, what is it, the greatest minor team never to win in All-Ireland with what they've done at senior level since mm-hmm. in 2011. So they were like in a supremely talented team and what they achieved then at under 21. The 2017 team, it wouldn't have been as seen as successful, but he still got an All-Ireland out of them. You know what I mean? People wouldn't have looked at someone like Owen Merchant and thought he's going to be up to it. You know, Physically was was the main thing. I remember after that game, the 2017 final, we were chanting to Desi on the pitch in Tullamore and Michael Daly was the big thing for Galway at the time. He was coming into the senior ranks and it was like, you know, the job one merchant did it him and he said, look, you know, he... He's big and he mightn't be big in stature, stature, but he plays big, you know. And he he obviously identified something in him, so he's obviously good at kind of doing that. But I suppose coming back to what you were saying earlier about the kind of pressure, it is interesting the dynamic that he can't really kind of go into that dressing room and like you know, these are my lads that I've kind of brought through, and I'm going to align myself with them. Mm-hmm. He probably has to take a step back and look at it from kind of an overall sense because there is there is a group of players that I haven't dealt with him before, um, and like they will respect him for obviously what he's done as a player and with the, with the minor and twenty one All Irelands. But you kind of need to need to set the tone and I would see that kind of maybe slightly distancing yourself from the players you've worked with taking an overall kind of view and approach I would imagine is probably going to be the, the way to go. I walked out of uh, Crow Park whenever the, the, the replay was and went and had a, quite a few points and ended up later on that night looking at my laptop looking at uh, Stephen Cluxon clips on YouTube Stephen Cluxon with Johnny Sexton kicking points and stuff and I was getting a bit emotional because I was like oh that's the end of Cluxon you know Stephen's gone uh, he's been here forever and he did that big lap Jim did the big lap but everyone was like will Jim or won't he go and Jim has you know he's gone but Cluxon hasn't gone but maybe he could still go do you think 
Desi coming in means Cluxton will stay for the year to help him smooth the transition? Or do you think Desi needs to go and, and you know, go, I, I need you for these 12 months, just give me 12 more? Like, uh, Cluxton's 38 now. Stephen Cluxton is very much his own man. I would kind of maybe get a sense that because of Jim's departure and at the timing of it, that there might be a little bit more pressure for him to stay on, uh, to kind of smooth that transition over. Um, and, uh, you know, what we're kind of what, middle, late December now and we've heard nothing. So you kind of imagine he, he will stick around at this stage mm-hmm. it, it's, it's important only, that he sticks around Finton isn't it it is very important the only thing I would say is that the, the kind of trend the last couple of years there have been a good few guys that kind of depart in the first couple of weeks of January whatever it is that they just kind of wait till inter-county players you know if there's been a few over the years like remember Michael Fenley Kilkenny Hurler just kind of felt maybe he was going to come back and then I think he went in the second week of January so it wouldn't completely rule out but I do think it's probably a little bit more pressure on him that if the managerial thing had stayed the same if you know if Jim was in charge for 2020 it might have been easier for him to walk away mm-hmm. um, yeah, look it's very hard to kind of figure out what Stephen Cluxon is going to do I mean he's he's for a guy who's won so much uh, you know, he's been the captain of the most successful football team, you know. And he's had one of his best seasons as well this year. But, we, you know, we, we don't really know him. Like, you know, it's hard to kind of re- to read him as, as regards his mentality. Um, he chilled out at the weekend at the Leinster rugby game in his Christmas jumper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's probably an interesting dynamic is with the new manager, um, how that's going to kind of uh, affect his thinking and influence. And as you said, obviously, the fact that it's going to be interesting, the fact that he, he, Desi, he has played with him, like, yeah. unlike a lot of guys uh, in that dressing room. Yeah, like, uh, and that was a long time ago. We played with him, and it kind of shows the stability of uh, of of Cluxton. But something you said there, um, Perk, and I, I, I suppose there's, there's there's arguments for and against this, uh, Finton. You said you didn't really know Stephen Cluxton, and that that was Stephen Cluxton's own choice not to really let mm-hmm. the press know him. And he, he kind of he doesn't want to be that guy. He wants to do his football, and he wants to do his teaching job, and he wants to get on with it. Some of the Dublin players you do know, you know their their charity work and the stuff to do on and off the pitch. But very much a feature of the Jim Gavin reign was kind of locking off the dubs to the press. What was it like as journalists working around this Dublin uh, camp, this Dublin team under the Jim Gavin era? Yeah, the, the first thing I kind of say about this, and it always kind of make this point, is that, uh, my, uh, you know, you, it, I don't really want to kind of just be seen as like journalists moaning because the, the main thing I always say is like, pu- public don't care. Like, you know, yeah. pe- people don't really care mm-hmm. the fact if we start moaning that we can't get interview mm-hmm. access to the Dublin footballers. And that's like, it was just a kind of a closed shop. And that, that was the kind of strategy they produced. But I mean, you ask any of the supporters when like, you know, Leinster, league and all the <laughs> trophies are flowing like I mean they don't care that they're not seeing them you know and in fairness I, did, I would say over the last couple of years you would have to say like you know we would have you, know, you talked to like say Jack McCaffrey on the Monday morning after all Ireland's or you know there's been stuff to like say Michael Darren McCauley and Dean Rock you hear kind of kind of lives they lead off the pitch like they're really really interesting really, bunch yeah. of guys Absolutely. very yeah. very nice yeah, yeah. Very nice, and, and their personality is probably so big it's kind of hard yeah. to, to suppress them anyway yeah but, but you do kind of get an insight into it you know to use that kind of phrase that the kind of culture that they have in the group like you know for you know for the amount that they've achieved like you know they seem quite a humble bunch when you're mm. when you're kind of chatting to some of them you know and I would imagine when they're kind of moving into a different manager that those kind of that kind of approach and values that they're going to they want that to kind of seamlessly uh, transition into it like you know but I mean this isn't just a Dublin thing that you don't kind of you know when I say you don't kind of know Stephen Cluxton or whatever I mean that's that's just the way the GA has changed and that's probably reflective as well like you know there's more media there's there's more interest I mean than what it would have been maybe 10 20 years ago let's say when you take Desi Farrell second over as manager the landscape he's coming into now and the kind of spotlight compared to when he was as a player um, you know is, is, is kind of vastly vastly different How did you find uh, working around 
trying to grab quotes from from this Dublin camp over the years, Gordon? Yeah, um, I remember really, really when when Pat Gilroy was in charge. I mean, look, I I was working at a time when we uh, Tommy Lyons, who was you know who brought in the great phrase of arse boxing. And, <laughs> you know, this is you know kind of he wanted to generate the the, the blue wave and bring it all uh, hype it up. Um, Pillar Carfrey marching to the hill. Yeah, uh, and we had uh, even Pat Gilroy gave us one of the great images of startled earwigs. If you remember that, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a great image. Like, but Pat kind of set up this uh, system whereby, you know, rather than, and I totally agree with, with Finton's uh, analysis that people don't really care about journalists moaning and uh, not getting interviews. But what Pat did was Pat set up a system whereby early morning press conferences, uh, him and a player or two, uh, maybe a week, was it a week before the matches? You'd get them and that'd be your media access. And that was fine, that worked. So when Jim came in, Jim said he would kind of do something similar, early morning press conferences before league and championship games and that was the access. And I think everybody was happy enough with that. But uh, Jim's uh, early morning press conferences <laughs> tended to be, um, uh, Jim introduced us to processes and protocols and uh, look, it was it was stage managed. He didn't want to give any information away. He didn't give any information away. Uh, and over time, less and less journalists started to attend those early morning press conferences. And eventually they just stopped. The media didn't go looking for them. And Jim Gavin had worn the media down in that regard. So that was maybe the aim all along. Uh, so this season, I think, did we have Jim just, was it once this year before the Ireland final? Was that the only press we did? I think it was, yeah. yeah. He, he did the Leinster Championship launch in May, which was actually yeah, on yeah. in Baldonnell, um, the air drum. And obviously, you know, he is very passionate. He talks a lot about kind of, you know, his aviation work and his background and how it's it's kind of shaped him. But it, it just became less and less. And whether that was kind of a reflection of the five in a row or maybe he realised the kind of finish line was kind of a yeah. part of him realised it was kind of in sight and, the, and this is what and it was more about the control and on. you had to accept they wanted to control the control of us to use that horrible phrase and look that's that's what you know they're well entitled to do that and, uh, and, and there's a lot of other counties operating like that yeah, as well so that's yeah. just yeah. That's, that, that's the kind of environment uh, that it's in now but uh, this like I remember a couple of people kind of saying maybe the media are making way too much of what happened in the post-final uh, press conference mm. uh, after this year's All-Ireland but I think it was just from dealing with him for so long it was like you know he was way more candid than usual mm. when, especially it's like it was a great image I thought when he talked about Stephen Cluxon after the drawn final about the Killian Splang goal and he used the phrase he got out his bloody laptop the following day <laughs> and they spent two hours yeah. him the sub keeper and the coach you know just that image of like the laptop on the pitch and like they're looking at the angles and all that like you know and, and it, the fact that his dad was in, in it was well was kind of a I suppose a kind of a personal touch I think he naturally had to conclude that day that, that the end was in sight now at the time went on it's so long you'd be thinking mm. you know he's, he's going to stay but yeah. uh, I suppose that, that's why so many of us and so many other journalists and papers and uh, websites and ra- radio stations and that that, that they kind of made so much of, of that post-match press conference which I'm sure maybe a lot of supporters were like you know why, why people keep referring to this like? uh, I remember when he got the job um, Jim Gavin yeah Jim, uh, Collie Moore and the columnist with us and, and he said that he's played golf a couple of times with Jim and he said Jim would turn up and like there wouldn't be a crease on the jumper the, the golf trousers like he was just pristine presented himself and that's the way he carried himself you know it was that military kind of everything is very orderly and done in in order Desi Farrell coming in here now and they are different characters like you know, they're mm-hmm. definitely different characters I mean uh, I don't know if he's read Tangle Up in Blue the, yeah and, I, I, and just before you say that I'll, yeah. I'll quote the, dif- the different characters number one Desi has a, a Twitter handle he's uh, you know he's not tweeting late at night but he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's he still has a Twitter account I, I could never see Jim with a Twitter account mm-hmm. but Desi had a, a amazing quotes just looking again through Tangle Up in Blue which came out in 2005 and he's talking about Tommy Lyons you know a Dublin manager he had and he goes Tommy who inhabits a parallel universe like he had a fraught relationship with Tommy Lyons and in Tangle Up in Blue he gets into the job that he's working in the time in Grange Gorman he calls it a chillingly dangerous institution full of lunatics and lost souls but for me it was my back garden my playground like 
Desi's a really interesting guy, isn't he? Yeah, like he's a psychiatric nurse, chief of the GPA. In that book, he like kind of really opened up and left himself very vulnerable. Like, you know, it was very candid stuff about, you know, drink driving charges and his own battles and family life and stuff. And it was real candid stuff, you know, whereas, you know, in, in for seven years of Jim's management team, he never let us in. We never found out any of that. The players probably mm-hmm. found out very little. Whereas reading that book alone, I mean, you just find out so much about Desi. Just he, he, he has a... He has a quote, like a really deep quote about the breakdown of his marriage. He says, uh, everything at home got thrown on the altar of Desi Farrell's ambition when it could be sacrificed at any moment. You, n- you never got in, you never got that deep ever with Jim or I suppose with, a, with, with the majority of, of other people in, in any kind of sport. The, the, the openness that Desi has had in the past could have could come back to haunt him now. In, he's in the hot seat, the biggest job in the country. The only thing is, uh, first of all, the fact that the book came out 15 years ago. Yeah. And I think since then, he has had a lot of media dealings between his jobs with Dublin Underage and particularly with his GPA role. And I think he is a, the, the image of him is quite different now. And I think it's probably going to be a continuation. Um, I, I don't really expect him to be kind of open or, or, or candid. You know, I don't, th- I don't think that autobiography is going to be the, the kind of tone for how he kind of reveals stuff about it like if you think about his dealings with us you know if there was press events to do with the GPA and all that you know he was kind of very business like yeah. Um, but yeah I, I don't really kind of expect kind of a massive maybe you know personality shift in the in the kind of Dublin camp uh, in that sense when I'm taking over as manager the GPA thing is interesting from mm-hmm. point of view 17 years yeah and just one of the things I was thinking about like you know he, he was talking a lot about player welfare and, and all that so mm-hmm. I mean it's, it's interesting now that the guy who uh, I suppose Donald Cusack has done this he went into an inter-county setup someone else was heavily involved in the GA but it's that balance of you know you're talking about kind of work-life balance for players and all that you know and maybe not much demands and I'm like you know you then have to go into a situation where you're the manager and you're kind of I suppose the Has he gone from being the, the office shop steward to the office manager? I think he's had a couple of years of a, of a change which is interesting you know I was looking at when he was appointed it's three years three years this month since uh, there was a big uh, press conference in Crow Park it was like I think it was, the, was it the new GBA GPA deal yeah. yeah and he was asked um, again about you know do you think the Dublin senior job and he says no I, I can never see it you know the time is too much and all that and I suppose as an element he, he probably wasn't going to say I have my eyes on the senior job while Jim Gavin was there and he said the same I think the following mm-hmm. spring after he won the, the under 21 but I wonder at the time did he maybe kind of feel maybe it's not for me you know he was just after coming out of a very very intense role within the GAA but he's had a couple of years away um, you know done a couple of different things kind of got his toes you know dips his toes back into kind of GA this year management with, with Nafina and I think the, the timing has probably kind of worked out right for him more than anything mm-hmm. to kind of come back into it. Gordon, the fact that he was with the GPA for 17 years and he's, he's been around the GAA all his life, I suppose like any other GAA man, but he's, he's been in the, the politics of the GAA for a long time. Mm. That could come in in his favour when he's looking to get someone off a, off a ban or off a red card or he, he knows he knows how to work the politics and he knows the, the, the corridors of power. Uh, Jim wasn't too bad at it either now in the seven years um, uh, dealing with uh, hierarchy in Crow Park. Uh, a couple of times, a number of times actually. Do those things help? They, they probably don't hurt, you know. I think that GPA thing, he, he'll probably try and stay away from it as much as possible a GPA thing like I don't think he'll hark back to it even you know when we do when the media do interview him I don't think he'd be too keen to, to address GPA issues and stuff I think he'll try and take this as a he's now the Dublin GA manager and this is his role for now for now and then maybe when that finishes move back towards that area or a bit more but I think over the next few years we'll, we'll be, it'll be solely about this era of Desi Farrell being the Dublin GA senior manager and look for him for him as well it's a huge thing because I think 
he, you know, he, the five in a row, well, there's only one first time, you know, so that's the first time that's ever done. But like for Desi, you know, this is a, probably a journey for him. He's won the minor, won the 21, and I think he can become the first double manager ever and to win at all three grades if he wins a senior. Like for, so for himself, that would be, uh, must be a personal drive. If you go back to YouTube, uh, which is a great place to spend a lot of your time and type in 1995 Ireland final there's a great shot at the start when the, when the dubs are lined up for the national anthem and you get the half forward line of Jim Gavin Paul Clark and Desi Farrell and the three of them are standing together the anthem's playing so it's 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 kind of a, a nice image that you know the baton has passed from, from Jim to Desi from this 1995 team but just on that 1995 team obviously until Cluxton kicked that point. They were the last holders of the flame in Dublin who had won the All-Ireland. But Finton, a lot of that team has really gone on to dedicate themselves to Dublin GAA afterwards. And I kind of, it's kind of, kind of unusual, is it? it yeah, yeah, I suppose it, it is. It is striking, right? The amount of them that have kind of been involved. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that they've been successful because I think there was a Declan Darcy has kind of maybe hinted at this a bit. Um, maybe a sense of unfulfillment about their kind of years as players the fact that they didn't get over the line and you know not only kind of in an All-Ireland sense but some of the Leinster Championship losses that they would have suffered Mm -hmm. back when Leinster was a highly competitive in the kind of start of the noughties um, you know kind of some of the leash Westmead defeats and that so I suppose if you kind of finish your playing career maybe frustrated maybe it kind of leads you to kind of double down on your your efforts as a manager and you kind of things that you thought were kind of wrong with the camp or things that could have been done differently you try and bring them into your kind of management to management sphere then they strike me you know not knowing uh, a lot of them very well but I mean like even take someone like Paul Kern from that team you know the yeah. club success he's had like they all seem kind of very very driven yeah. um, and especially in the in the kind of Dublin sense like you know so I'd imagine Desi is kind of similarly the way Jim was like you know we were kind of down as Dublin as a county was down for so long the 16 years in their eyes yeah. that they kind of don't want that to kind of set in again and I kind of think it's interesting that the flip side of that kind of group is that um, if you look at what's happening to Kenny Hurris at the moment there's a lot of Brian Cody's kind of products of those teams are taking their steps into management and mm-hmm. they're coming from like highly highly successful teams the one all around them and then you look at the jobs they're taking like Eddie Brennan Michael Fenley David Herity all the kind of lesser counties so it's all kind of they're kind of going outside to kind of learn their trade whereas a lot of these guys it's just you know like the way Desi and Jim did it kind of going with the underage sides first like kind of working your way up but I definitely think there is that kind of undercurrent that yeah just the kind of lack of fulfilment of their career and kind of those regrets and that this is a way of kind of maybe I suppose easing those regrets a bit like but yeah being successful probably natural leaders as well I mean natural leaders on the field natural leaders uh, in, their, in their workplace and then afterwards they want to become managers and even some of the guys who didn't go on to manage Dublin seniors directly or involved with Dublin senior teams I mean Paul Beale went into senior ma- into county management with Wexford and Westmead Carlo as well I think was he and uh, John O'Leary managed the Dublin ladies mm-hmm. you mentioned Paul Curran like, so a lot of teams have gone into management in different guises the way you can't have good music uh, without having a recession Dublin needed that famine and that 1995 team and they needed to hurt to now, you know, reap the rewards of of, of not wanting that to happen again. This uh, this is fandom now. Right? Like, this is like so like you know the hurt. It means more, and you, you have to earn your place. You have to go through, yeah. the, go through the mire to come to the other side. A, a cynic would say they also get a lot more money, etc. And uh, we can get into that place. Different argument, I guess. Yeah, but look, uh, do you need to hurt? I don't know. Uh, it makes it sweeter when it comes about. But ask anyone in Mead last twenty years. <laughs> 
30 years, how long has it been? It's been, uh, I mean, it's a lot of hurt. I, and, you know, that Mead team in the 80s, none of them really went into management, very few of them. Like, so, look, that 95 Dublin team uh, have turned out to be an exceptional uh, group for Dublin GA and uh, they're still giving back now. So that's a big thing for Dublin. Yeah, because it, it doesn't happen with every group of kind of All-Ireland winners, you know. I mean, I kind of mentioned the Kilkenny one. The Clare kind of uh, hurling team is probably the other big one that I've kind of noticed. If you look at like Brian Lohan, Anthony Daly, Daryl yeah. Auckland, yeah. uh, David Fitzgerald, obviously, you know, all kind of gone into jobs. But then there have been All-Ireland winning teams that, you know, they just they just don't go on. So there obviously is, a, as Gordon said, a kind of a leadership element and, and especially the way like inter-county management has gone, like, you know, the, the time demands of it and all that. You hear so many tales of how consuming it is. Like, so it's become a more and more pressure job. So it's like the fact that so many of them have gone on uh, you know says a lot about them as a group which maybe at the time you know you're judged very much on well how many shows your medals as they mm-hmm. say like you know how many all earns did you win like you know and then we'll tell you how impressive you are as a group that doesn't really always tell the full story does it yeah, no, my, my dream still is to see Kieran Whelan manage Dublin to an honour and uh, victory. Gordon, what are you hearing on the on the grapevine of Dublin GA of who Desi's going to bring along as his backroom staff? Obviously, Jo's done a great job with the forwards, Declan Darcy in there as well. Like, has been, And a lot of people have, have been with Jim all the way through, but what does he do now? Does he change it up or will the lads stay stay along with him? Well, I think he'll bring in some some new blood. Um, I definitely think he will have asked the, the previous management team to stick along. I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, Jo there and um, um, Declan Darcy, he would know those guys very close. Paul Clark as well. So uh, the new the new um, Dublin chairman McSeavers um, has kind of indicated that he doesn't expect massive change. So I think that that maybe indicates that uh, some at least of Jim's management team will, will stick around for 2020. Anyway, probably the best thing is for you know a, a manager to come in without having a massive ego, being like I need to put my stamp on it and need to make it my team. Just keep things ticking along as they are. <laughs> I suppose in the case maybe Declan Darcy, I, I you know I think there have been kind of hints in the past, you know whether he is the kind of the, the time for it you know like very very busy kind of with like a family and, and work while you as the new manager may want the kind of a sense of continuity there is a sense as well maybe with some guys that is just you know look I kind of did my time with the old manager and to kind of move on so I think a blend of the two is, is always the kind of best best way to go to kind of give some sense of familiarity uh, even for the players like that it's not going to be a case of you know you're coming into a whole new kind of the setup uh, to try and get going um, again Gordon, I suppose looking ahead to what Desi's going to face, Mayo, Galway, Tyrone, I suppose what of them, Kerry first up as we've already discussed, who can get near this Desi Farrell Dublin team? Yeah, I was just looking at the league fixtures, um, Kevin, there's like three of Dublin's first uh, four league games are in Crow Park, which is... Dublin's home ground, yeah. Yeah, well, the GA's home ground, yeah. Yeah. Look, I think if we're talking to looking at the bigger picture of who's kind of the challengers, the main challengers to Dublin. I mean, it looks like it's it's a chasing pack of one, really. Uh, I would say Kerry, and I think there, there was there's going to be a natural the monopoly was going to become a duopoly naturally I think in the next couple of years where Kerry and Dublin will maybe share a few All-Irelands and Kerry are without doubt the best place team to uh, maybe overthrow uh, the Empire on uh, you know in 2020 mm-hmm. uh, after that what Mayo what Mayo will do this year will be interesting um, James Horn's second year back introduce, introduce a bit of fresh blood as well Throne I'm not sure about uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's another kick in Throne if they can get up to that level Donegal possibly after that would be maybe maybe best place but Outside of those, I, I don't really see anyone that's going to really challenge them. And at that, it's probably Kerry or nobody. This maybe gives gives them a little bit of hope, the, the change in manager, even if it's a good thing or even if it's a bad thing. I suppose it 
it introduces the element of doubt. Yeah, but I would say that maybe a few of them, maybe a few years ago, probably would have been in a stronger position if there was a sense of doubt to capitalise. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like Mayo, this was the second seller of James Horn, but, you know, their squad has changed. I mean, they've had a couple of retirements. It was Andy Moran, most notably, in the off-season. So that, that team is kind of changing. Tyrone, you just wonder, are they kind of hitting the ceiling of being a kind of an All-Ireland semi-final? And then... One, one appearance in a final and that's as far as they can kind of go with, uh, with the next step uh, Donegal like a lot of promise and all that but like pretty disappointing they haven't got out of the Super 8 groups now two years in a row I'd say for them so I think well, I kind of agree with Gordon about the chasing pack but I think Kerry aren't that far off in terms of like chasing Dublin and I think they're right up there and I think they'll take a lot from that drawn All-Ireland performance because just simply the age profile of the team and I mean Dublin have shown look it doesn't happen all the time but the correlation between kind of underage success and you know kind of guys going into senior players I mean uh, David Clifford is still under 21 next year Sean O'Shea is just out of under 21 ranks I think if they can find a couple of more guys Peter Crowley's going to come back from injury I think he could bolster their defence so yeah. but I, I, I think it's it's probably only kind of one major contender um, that they have to worry about It'll be interesting to see a goal we on next year under Park Joyce they have a lot of, yeah. a lot of really good forwards they haven't played with a kind of attacking brand of football in the last few years with Kevin Walsh so potentially if they can get their kind of their mix right blend right they've, they've certainly the attacking power but defensively they can they can kind of shut out at the other end will be their challenge Given our two origins it's probably pains us to say that this is going to be reduced to a Dublin uh, carry two horse race for the next three or yeah, four years yeah. but uh, it's, it's, it's difficult really to see uh, in the in the media term, like we're talking about going Donegal, but mm. within twelve months, that's a lot of improvement yeah. to make it up on that ground. Whereas at least Kerry have shown yeah. that they went toe to toe with them yeah. for two games. Um, yeah, and if, just to narrow it down to Leinster, I mean, uh, the one team that might give them a shot in Leinster is probably Kildare. I reckon Kildare might might do something next year. Uh, certainly, they've got the the raw materials, and with Jack O'Connor there, you'd imagine there'll be some kick. Um, but as regards an All Ireland challenge, no. Yeah, this is absolutely grabs and a straw stuff yeah. there, Gordon. Um, just, just looking back at an interview that Desi did with the Sunday Business Post in 2016, I just want to read a quote, which kind of excites me, you know, not just as uh, someone who enjoys watching Dublin footballers play football, but it excites me, I suppose, as a someone in the media that like, as we were harking back to earlier, that we're going to get a little bit extra maybe. So this is Desi in the Sunday Business Post uh, espousing his views on the world. He's like, uh, we, and by we, he means humanity, not just Dubliners. Uh, we have to do a much better job than we're doing at the moment. I think what's going on in the political world at the minute is scary anyway. If everyone was to be selfish and was to just look out for themselves their, and their own needs, the world would be a very, very dangerous and scary place. And I really think that has to change. There's massive food shortage, water shortage, the climate change issue, and the whole sense that particularly with the millennial generation, people are feeling unfulfilled and unsatisfied in their lives and in their workplace. So how do you give those people a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose? I think it's really important we figure that out. Like they're really strong interesting, exciting quotes to get stuck into. And now the guy giving those quotes is, is in the biggest GA job in the country. He's the Dublin manager. Uh, Finn, that's something to be excited about going into next year, isn't it? It is, but I guess maybe the cynic in me and, and the caveat is that I'd be very surprised he made those in 2016. I'm very surprised if he makes them in 2020 or 2021. I, I want when, when Dublin win Leinster next year for Jim just to d- dedicate his whole post-match speech to climate change, you know? Can, yeah. Or not Jim, sorry, Desi. Can Desi be our Greta Thunberg? <laughs> Well, there's actually, there was a very good interview in the Irish Times in May with Paul Mannion, who he talked a lot about climate change and how he switched this year. Um, vegan, is it? Yeah, well, yeah. I think it was just meat and dairy. He gave mm-hmm. up, basically, he said he felt he had to do a bit. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, that these some of these Dublin players, they're very interesting guys in the kind of work that they and they do off the pitch and, and all that. Um, yeah, look, I, that that is really, really interesting stuff. Jim did it a couple of times when this was the one thing that he was quite passionate about was kind of his aviation and military background and all that. Yeah, I how, suppose how before, just before he retired, he, there was a piece on the RT 
News talking about drones, and next thing Jim Gavin popped up <laughs> yeah. talking about drones. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was and like, then like two days later, he'd retired as the Dublin manager. I think it was a campaign the Thursday. Uh, the Thursday before, yeah, he retired. He, he left on the Saturday, and it was on the Thursday. There was some campaign about Christmas safety, yeah, or you know, if, you, if you're going to buy it as a present. And then I think at the end, they asked him about your manager of Dublin or your plans, and he said, "Oh, we're looking forward to the National League fixtures." So, yeah, uh, that was that was obviously something he, he was very very interested in. But um, there there is definitely a very very interesting side to, to Desi Farrell. But I'm I'm going to hold judgment, and be, I'd be be surprised if we see a whole lot of it in the dressing rooms in Moor Park after a game or Crow Park uh, in the, in the Leinster Championship next summer. Gordon, obviously you're not a Dublin fan, you're a Mead, Mead man, but as a journalist and someone who's going to be in the in the press pack of this, climate change, food shortages, uh, water shortages, Desi Farrell, his book in 2005, are, are you excited to be moving into a new era with the Dubs? Uh, yeah, look, I think it's an exciting time for Dublin GA insofar as some of the talent coming through still. Like, I mean, look, look at uh, Kieran Archer, like, I mean, what a talent he's going to be. Uh, Paddy O'Coffey Byrne, uh, whose mum is a Mead woman. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there's a lot of really good players in Dublin, Sean Bugler, Keane O'Connor, Darren Gavin will probably come back and Paddy Small, they'll get more football. Um, look, it's uh, like the, the compare belt of talent, you know, mightn't be as uh, as strong as it was a couple of years ago, but there's, there's huge, there's really exciting players in Dublin GA. If I was a Dublin fan and uh, seen Desi come in, a guy who's earned his shot, had a lot of players there uh, who are sticking around, like very few retirements so far. It's it's hard to see Desi Farrell not becoming the first Dublin man to win all three All-Irelands as a Dublin manager on a 21 minor and senior at some stage over the foreseeable future. I, I suppose we'll end with this, Fintan. This time next year, what are we looking back on uh, for 2020? What's Desi done with Dublin? I think he he made just I think Kerry made made just pipped pipped him next year. But then I would think, like I remember talking to someone about this with regards to the kind of level of Dublin dominance Dublin have. I think if you catch them one season, I think there's a good chance they're going to win say six or seven every decade for the for the foreseeable future. Like I don't think the pendulum is going to shift that much. But I I think we're mainly going to be looking back on on, on their battles with Kerry. I uh, I, I think yeah. that would be the main thing that will kind of dominate it. And he actually I don't think he ever actually has come up against them in kind of minor or twenty one in his management days like probably more relationship against the likes of Tip and, and kind of Galway What's and that common. kind of thing you know mm-hmm. was common so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see him as a, a Dublin manager against Kerry and he'll be uh, he'll be happy to see Finton arrive with his keep cup here as he beside us in his uh, his world view of uh, looking after uh, the planet have, uh, to, have to bring that to the first uh, morning press conference so yeah. that, that, will, that will get you the quotes that will get you the, the inside quotes uh, Gordon's finish with yourself uh, December 2020 what has Desi done with Dublin he will have uh, won a Leinster championship uh, he will yeah, I should say I, I second that he will have introduced uh, some new blood. Uh, he will certainly have given the likes of uh, Conor McHugh, Carmen Costello, I think Colly Basquell, Paddy O'Coffey, Bourne, these players some more game time to see if they can kick on and he will have played, uh, led a team to an All-Ireland final anyway. It'll probably be a Dublin-Kerry final unless they meet in a semi-final. Um, so look, it'll be it'll be another year where Dublin are playing deep into the season. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, lads, for coming along. 